Whatever business you're in, growth isn't just about getting bigger. At ADP, we believe it's about getting stronger by turning data into insights so you can build teams that work as teams. By using our AI technology to help catch payroll errors before their errors. And by keeping ahead of thousands of changing regulations so you can keep ahead of everything else. ADP helps businesses like yours grow stronger every day. ADP, HR talent, time, and payroll. Welcome to a new episode of the Prosperity on Air podcast. I'm Paola DeViscovi, your host. I hope you uh, are having a wonderful week. As you know, um, for the whole month of January, you will have two episodes of the Prosperity on Air podcast since I, I want to accommodate the interviews with all the amazing speakers at the Women Who Dare to Desire conference taking place in London at the end of this month on the 31st of January. I'm so honored and happy to be one of these amazing speakers at the conference and I really, really hope to see many of you there. You will hear stories, experiences that will inspire you to maybe create your business or maybe to simply just go after your dream. You will have the opportunity to meet many daring women, not only the speakers, but also the women in the audience. You will have the opportunity to network, um, to meditate together, to participate in many activities together. So if you happen to be in London, really don't miss this opportunity. So today I'm interviewing another amazing speaker at this conference, uh, an expert in a topic that I am really fascinated about, which is neuroscience, the science that studies how uh, the structure uh, of the brain and of the nervous system is uh, made of, how it functions, and uh, so how the human brain uh, operates. It's actually a multidisciplinary science involving many different uh, uh, sciences, and uh, the um, the results of the of the studies uh, conducted really are changing the way we understand the brain, how the brain functions, and it explains how we are wired and why we are who we are and how we operate and how we behave in um, you know in our life in our relationships in our business with our colleagues with our business partners with our clients so it's really really fascinating and we are speaking about this very interesting topic with an amazing person. As I was saying, she's uh, one of the amazing speakers. Uh, I use this word a lot these days, <laughs> but she is actually, she is, and, all, and also all the other women that I'm interviewing and who are going to be speakers at the conference are really amazing. So bear with me if I'm overusing the term amazing. Okay, so... I'm honored to interview 
Jill Mackay. Jill is one of the founders and uh, a managing director of My Brain International. And she provides tools and materials to enable professional coaches and trainers to use the exciting, evolving uh, subject of neuroscience in their work so that they can really attain better and deeper and lasting results with their clients. She helps people become more uh, effective by becoming aware of their thinking and uh, how they communicate and uh, through understanding their neurological preference preferences and you will hear about you know a, a brain based uh, model of how we function of how uh, we behave so these preferences really strongly influence the way they are she so helps individuals, teams, and organizations get clarity, become more confident, effective, energized, engaged, and focused on their strengths and diversity. And you will hear in our conversation how it is really important to have a very diverse team because if we are you know all similar to each other it is very easy to get along and collaborate but there's no richness that is built in in the team and in the work the team carries out if we are all the same so when we are different there you know maybe it is a little more um complicated to find a way to get along and incorporate all these diversities. But it's certainly more challenging. It is more interesting. It is uh, um, more fascinating. And the result is uh, certainly more creative, more fulfilling, more satisfactory. So I don't want to take too much of your time. So let's move into my interview, my conversation, you know, I like to call them conversation ra conversations rather than interviews with Jill Mackay. for being with me today thank you uh, as you know I have already introduced you a little bit to my audience but I would like you to say something more about what you who you are and what you do yeah, absolutely delighted. Well, first of all, thank you for welcoming me so warmly. So my name is um, Jill Mackay. Um, I live in London. I'm a mother of three, a wife, a sister, a daughter, all of those wonderful things. And in terms of my work, I am just absolutely passionate about neuroscience, which is what we're going to talk about today. In fact, I'd broadened that but in terms of my work and my life. I really think that taking a peek inside our brains for everybody is useful and liberating. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so to begin with, let us, uh, you know, let's say something about neurosciences. So what neurosciences do? What is, what is their main focus? So I think the main focus in um, business or in people's personal lives today is the fact that you can now actually apply it. We're at a really, really exciting time in the world of neuroscience because let's say 20 years ago when I first started getting into it, all of the research was around autopsies, so cutting up dead people or looking at um, extreme patients, epileptic patients. It was all very useful, but it was predominantly used in a clinical setting. What's happened now, I call it since the wonder of technology, you know, the fMRI scanning and all of that stuff. What sort of has happened now is it's enabled all of that research to become more accessible to people in a in the, anybody interested really in the development arena. So people in the training, in the coaching arena, use it to help people to build self-awareness so I think that's absolutely the crux and the, the the usefulness and the main application of neuroscience by taking a little look inside their brains they can understand why they are the way they are it really adds scientific evidence to the world of psychology so all of the the sort of world of psychology and the the theories and the thinking about human behavior can be brought to life and evidenced by neuroscience and that's why it's particularly exciting and we're at a pivotal time now because we're beginning to find out a little bit more about that underpinning physiology of the brain and how it relates to human behavior. And what do you find particularly fascinating and interesting about the brain? Oh, well, I've got some wonderful, wonderful brain facts that we, we, can, we can share. Um, I think for me, in my work, using neuroscience in my work for, for many, many years, over, over 20 years, I would say, maybe 15 at a, at a more sort of liberating level, what, what it gives people, because it enables people to really understand that physiological underpinning, it liberates them, it gives them permission to be the person that they really are. So when I start to have a conversation with a client, whether it's in a coaching context or in a training context or in an interview context, whatever it is, by helping them to understand the way that they are wired and how that comes out and, and manifests as behavior and the way they operate, the way they communicate, the way they think, that can be hugely liberating for them. So I really find that fascinating about the brain. But some top facts that I just think are applicable and really fascinating is that you may know you may not that what we do know is that 80 percent of our neurons are based it's our brain cells are based in the older what we, what we call subcortex brain structures of the brain so it's the part of the brain that millions of years ago we needed to to access and to use in order to survive in a completely different world than the world we are now so for me that really gives people a factual evidence base that you know trust your instincts because in the old days we operated virtually purely on instinct for survival these days we tend to really honor there's nothing wrong with this but maybe overly honor the rational part of the brain whereas 
I really do think that when people understand that 80% of our neurons are based in the ancient part of the brain, it can help us to perhaps trust our instincts a little bit more, maybe overtly look out for them, consciously look out for those instincts and all, and the emotional part of the brain, because it was the emotional part of the brain that helped us survive. It's very interesting what you're saying, because, you know, I, I, you know, most of my coaching is based on, uh, on uh, getting in touch with this inner part of yourself and your yes. intuition. And very often people that think that these are, you know, this is woo-woo thing, you know, very much. this strange, uh, absurd, metaphysical uh, world. But what you are saying instead is based on science. I mean, our instincts that speak to us uh, is something that is wired in the brain. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think for some people in the in the coaching world that you and I are both involved in, just even understanding that fact, they don't almost need evidence or proof, but just even understanding the eighty percent of the neurons based there, it can help almost legitimize this woo-woo soft process that that you and I are involved in, or the perceived woo-woo so it, it, it provides almost like that empirical underpinning of the work they're doing and and that can really help them enter with more strength into a coaching conversation and with more motivation to to be able to create change in their life and Jill, you, you spoke about the fact that, of course, we are wired in a certain way. And this wiring, I think, is form and depends upon many things, including, you know, the environment mm -hmm. where we live, the way we grow up, etc. So if I am wired in a certain way, uh, how easy or difficult it is to modify this wiring. Okay, so there, there, there could be about a hundred sub-questions yeah, <laughs> in what you said. It's, I, I knew we would do this. We both love this, love, love this subject I so much. I told you, I told you. I know. You. <laughs> we could go on and on and on for ages. Okay. And that's great. So I think, first of all, this brings up the whole nature-nurture debate. And I don't think we'll ever get to the stage where neuroscientists are able to evidence and, and say that there is a causal percentage for how much is your DNA and how much is your environment. And do you know what, Palette? It doesn't matter. I think as long as we know that there, there is a mix of where, where you're, you're brought up, the choices that you're given, the, the opportunities that are around you, your personality type, I'll come back to that, um, and how you take opportunities, how the choices you make. And, and again, the, so that's your environmental piece, but also the DNA and the genetic piece as well. There are lots of twin studies, and it's fascinating to read where twins are separated and adopted into different families. Maybe one twin goes up to the Scandinavia or one twin goes down to more of the sort of Italian um, and, and more of the, the Mediterranean type of culture. And of course, the environment is going to have some differences, but they will also share some similarities. So they'll share some physical similarities, maybe eye color or hair color, but there will be some, some wiring that, that will also be similar too because they've inherited some similar DNA. Now your question, just looping back round, was around how easy it is for people to flex, amend, adapt. 
if you choose and i will add a caveat to that if you're motivated to choose to create a change in your life the wonderful infrastructure of this three pound mass in your head will enable you to take some changes so and i really am i'm quite clear about this choice um so you might choose so let's take self-development if you're on a trajectory to create great change in your life your brain can create new and stronger neural pathways so that you're able to access those more readily at first when you're creating change it feels harder to go there because those neural pathways aren't embedded they are if you think of a um say a, a groove in the pavement or a groove if you're, if you're in a, a bicycle path you know that that track may not be embedded as yet but the mo more you visit it the more easy it will be for you to access so that's called neuroplasticity there's a lot written around that what we do know is that children's brains are more plastic than adults but neuroplasticity is available to us at all ages and and it's evidence from behavioral development self-development as i've just discussed right the way through to if somebody has a, a horrible brain injury from a stroke or from a um, an accident they really are able to relearn to function by laying down new neural pathways i'm not saying it doesn't take effort um, it does take effort to do that but in the development sense that needs to be conscious effort. And I, I also believe intrinsically motivated effort. But we all can do it. And that is great news. <laughs> it's a muscle, after all. A sort yeah. of muscle. Yeah, exactly. So one of the areas that we work in in our business, and one of the, the terms that we use, is brain dominance, neurological dominance, which is really about preference. So... As you say, looking, the, looking at the metaphor of a muscle, you know, if you're developing preference for using your brain in a particular way, you're going to strengthen it. And if you strengthen it, you're more likely to revisit it because it's stronger. You're more likely to access that neural pathway in order to make a decision, reach conclusion when your brain is is filled and, and stimulated by millions of bits of information in any moment you're far more likely to go to that stronger muscle you know just as if you were asked to catch a ball you would probably without even thinking about it you would put out your dominant hand to catch the ball if you're standing outside of the metro in rome at night or in london at night and you think oh there's a bit of danger behind me you wouldn't stand there thinking now which foot should I start to run with? <laughs> you have a dominant muscle, you have a dominant foot, and it is the same in our brains. We have dominant preferred pathways that are exactly in your metaphor of a muscle. They're stronger, so we go there more often. But as you said, they can be changed with... They can, they can be changed. Like, you know, going on a diet or yeah. decided to start, you know, an exercise program. At the beginning, it's difficult. Exactly. Yeah. It, it takes effort. And, you know, we, we come here, we are in November. So we're approaching that wonderful time of year of New Year's resolutions where everybody sets their, their diet goals and their exercise goals. And we know there's some failure rates amongst that. But, you know, with, 
the people who are really successful at changing habits are those people that they, they want to develop that muscle and they've, they've most likely researched the methods by which they can um, flex that muscle and start to develop the muscle from a, from a weak muscle up to something a bit stronger. And there's always a tipping point for people who change habits where it starts to get easier. They may not recognize this or tangibly say, yes, it's Wednesday, it's today, it's going to get easier. But people who are successful with weight loss or who are successful with giving up smoking, for instance, there will be that point where, you know, this is a bit easier. And it's partly easier because their brain is enabling them to make it easier. And they've made some great choices by building that brainy muscle to help them get there. So habit change is, is a great example of how we can strengthen our neural pathways. Uh, you mentioned personality types. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can, you know, tell us more about that and how... Yeah how important it is to be aware of your personality type in your life and business yeah absolutely and i think i think it's really helpful for people to have a language around their natural personality and by that their natural strengths how they choose to operate how they choose to to think the preferences that they have but most importantly how that meet how that manifests in terms of their behavior and how they show up in the world of others so how they are demonstrating those preferences and their personality to others so in our business we have a tool there are many tools on the market that measure this we have a tool that's underpinned by neuroscience and it's just the same as the other tools, but it's underpinned by really the, the, the way that the synaptic network operates. We know that when people answer certain questions, that it's activating certain parts of the brain. So the way that they answer those questions gives us an indication as to the strength and the preference they might have for that. So when you have a language for your strengths and the way that you show up, from a human behavior perspective, that can be really helpful, both for your self-awareness, but I also think very importantly for your interpersonal awareness. So how you interrelate with other people, because the world is based on communication. Yeah, the world, are, are, we need social relationships to be able to survive and prosper. And if we're talking about the world of business um, and the, 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 the world as we expand, it's based on social connections and relationships and learning. So where personality types really help people, I believe, is it helps them to understand that just because somebody is different than me, it doesn't make them wrong. <laughs> so it enables us to step into the world of somebody else and see the world through their lens. That's hugely valuable because what it can do is it, it, it enables you to put on taking the metaphor of lens, it may, enables you to put on a different set of glasses so that you can see the world in a wider context. And when you broaden out the world that you're operating in, you're broadening out your possibilities and anything is possible, you know? So you're keeping an open mind, you're keeping the debate open. So often I think, um, and I'm sure your experience is the same when I work with people in a, a large organizational setting, I often find that people tend to recruit their teams almost in the, the same guise as themselves, you know, because we tend to be attracted to people who have similar 
preferences and neural pathways and personality types to ourselves. That's great. So you can have great collaboration operating within a team. But the potential downside of that power is the fact that if you think the same way, then you'll reach consensus really quickly. Yay, that's great for harmony and collaboration. But what are you missing? You know, what, what, you're missing the perspective of somebody with a different preference, a different way of operating, a different way of thinking. So I know they're more difficult to manage, but for a leader, I think sometimes even if the project and the work that you're working on is of a particular style, it's useful sometimes to have a team of great diversity and richness. And if you've got that, yeah, it's harder to manage, but you have a wider range of thinking via those personality types. And are there, you know, standard, I, I you know, I, I know that then there, there, there's, uh, there are all the individual traits that, you know, even if you more or less have a dominant personality yes. type, you see um, different, you know, behaviors and, uh, and traits that Absolutely. to this personality type. But are there, you know, some standard macro uh, personality types that you can tell us about? Yes, ab absolutely there are and, and and I think so point number one and it's a, like a red flag, a bit of a, a warning for all of us, you use the word uh, generalize, we have to generalize, the brain makes us all unique, like our retinas, like our, our fingerprint, you know, we are absolutely unique beings, so even within what I'm about to describe to you, there will be there are infinite differences and infinite, infinite different ways of interpreting that, that language. And language is a binary thing. You know, we all interpret language yeah. in, in, in different ways. So um, by, by even describing them, I'm, I'm having to generalize. So in our model and, and um, other models actually uh, do agree with these as well, very, very broadly, um, we talk about four different ways of thinking. And again, within those, there are infinite ways of how that plays out and how people think. So if we look at the left-hand side of the brain, and interesting, there's been a lot of research since the 1950s about the difference between left and right um, sides of the brain, largely because before fMRI scanning technology came on, a lot of research was done by psychologists when they severed the, the wiring between the left and the, the right for epileptic patients. They did that to relieve their seizures, but it allowed psychologists to look at the different behavior if somebody was just operating with the left or the right. That has been, that has evolved since the 1950s, but some of the thinking is still very, very true. It's evolved, not been refuted. I think that's important to say, but we do know upper left-hand side of the brain, this is where people apply their logical, rational thinking. So to give a, a larger picture around that, that would be where you are playing with analysis, you're enjoying facts, you're enjoying logic. Uh, it's about how do things stack up? Do they make sense? Now, still on the left-hand side of the brain, in the lower part of the left-hand side of the brain, this is where it's more about linear order and um, detail. So I tend to differentiate between this. The, the, the upper bit is more about the facts and the logic. People who operate just there may not be detailed. They may be operating to the 80-20 rule. People who operate down at the lower part of the brain, they really like that detail. They like working in a structured, ordered manner. Um, 
a beginning, a middle and an end really matters. They get really stressed by people who operate in a different way. So let's talk about those people popping opposite onto the upper right hand side of the brain. Those are the people who don't like detail. Those are the people probably like me and potentially like you. And I think we have this awareness. So we know that we've got to contain ourselves on our podcast. We're the people who are, we have a preference for um the big picture thinking so we we're, we look we have a holistic view we're able to look into um any situational scenario and really go with the flow on whatever is that bright shiny new thing that's interesting to us we're able to what we enjoy doing is looking at variety we enjoy spontaneity and adventure and in fact for us we would find that detail that beginning middle and end limiting we would find it's more freeing for not to have that framework so you can see how the difference is and just finishing off going on to the the lower right hand side of the brain um, this is what we call the emotional brain the the um, the feeling part of the brain so if we oppose it with the rational you could say the rational people are the thinkers whereas the um, the more emotional people are the feelers so the difference there is that people who operate strongly from that that part the lower right hand part of the brain they'd step inside a situation and almost subconsciously they'd try it on for size and they'd ask themselves how is this going to affect me and how is it going to affect others it's not always about harmony it can be about passion and belief but people that they're, they're very in touch with their senses and their emotions if you oppose that with the upper left and the the um, rational part logical part of the brain those people are stepping out of a situation they're looking in they're applying logic and, and and rationale and analysis to and looking in and thinking okay how can this situation be resolved whereas the emotional people are, are inside it what we do know so that's a very generalized model where you look yes. at upper left right and and lower left and right what we do know that's quite interesting and it loops right back to what you were saying at the, the beginning about the ability to flex. Neuroscientists know that we only really use in every waking moment around 50 to 60 percent of our brains and that's to do with the the effort that it takes to go into all of the brain but I, I want to make a really important point everything I've said is about preference and dominance it's not about ability so i for instance am very right-brained i really love the the big picture and i really love the harmony and the the the, uh, the empathy piece and, and working with people that's where i gain my energy from it doesn't mean i can't do detail i just don't like detail does that make sense so so when it comes to that horrible time of year when i've got to do my taxes yeah, of course I can step into the detail. It feels harder work for me and it takes more energy from me because it's not what I enjoy doing. Does that make sense? So yes, really yes. a generalized personality type or, or um, it's a brain-based model um, to give people a language around their strengths and how they show up in the world. So never put a person, you know, like me and you, to do a very detailed task <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> but you know what, Paula? We could do it. Of and course, we, of course. And we could do it. And then we we'd have it. to go and lie down. <laughs> and we do it. We do it very often. But... We just don't like it and it really drains us. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's as important for people to understand why certain things 
feel draining as it is for to understand why certain things feel motivated motivating and energizing it can help them plan their day because we all have to do everything you know even i have to think of logical things sometimes <laughs> you know and it helps to plan the, the 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 way that you you operate day to day and if you have to do tasks that aren't really fitting with your preferences maybe do them when you're at a more energetic time of day when you're more buzzed up yeah and it is also very important to understand that you know the let's say the main way we operate or the way that comes natural to us because of course if i'm a very emotional person and i'm speaking with my opposite a very rational person if i use language such as i feel this person probably won't understand me and there will be you know a barrier in our communication like precisely so and i, I again so our, in our in our business what well, we have a practitioner network we train people to use this and what you've just described is really the main application of how this is useful for people in understanding when they're operating with others that if they can try to use language that lands more effectively in the world of the listener because that's communication it's how it's interpreted in the person that you're communicating with and if you can understand that they may operate and have a different language set that is meaningful for them that's deeply useful you know advertisers and marketeers have been doing this for years they just now have the substance the substantive uh, technology and and research to sit behind it you know they sit they car manufacturers would think about well, who are the type of buyers for a bmw or a buyer for a fiat or a, a volkswagen beetle they're different markets so they use different language you know, and an advert for a, a volkswagen beetle will be different from a range rover it will be because it's a t appealing to different types of people and and this is giving some some really good substance that sits behind that and not only, you know, for example, my audience is mainly um, small business owners yeah. and professionals. Yeah. So when you are aware of the things that drain you, to go back to uh, the example that we were making before, and I know I can do it, but it drains me. It takes me a lot of time because it's not something that comes natural to me. So maybe this is something that I can outsource. Exactly so. It's about really understanding what would be beneficial to you in your in your business. And it's hard for people who are starting and perhaps they don't have much money or investment and they're thinking, I don't need a VA, for instance. But, you know, just think about your cost per hour and what it will release you to do. It would release you to be in your flow, creating the service for the customers that you're operating with. And, yeah, I think it is really, really deeply helpful. So for me, one of the things I, when I came out of my own 15 years ago I mean I now do have a business partner I knew that a major derailer for me would be lack of team so as a trainer and a coach and a facilitator I formed associate relationships with other training companies so I could get my sense of community from there I didn't do all my work through that but I did a few bits and bobs of work where I co-facilitated so I built partnerships in that sense of community and it mattered because I knew that without that, 
I would feel drained and I wouldn't feel as motivated to be in my flow when I was working on my own. And I think that really matters. I think that's a great application. Absolutely. Jill, I know you wrote a book. Yay! Can you tell us something about something about this book? Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote a book. It was published in July um, and it's called Stuck brain smart insights for coaches so what i wanted to do was to be able to share with fellow coaches and and actually anybody involved in the field of personal or and and development of others anybody interested in that area of development i wanted to share with them some personal stories of clients that i'd worked with so they came to me with various challenging presenting issues and how i used neuroscience in the conversation nothing deeply you know research-based in terms of the conversation but how I lifted that research-based into accessible language to really help people broaden the scope of their thinking and to unlock their challenges and to create solutions for themselves so it was all about trying to share with coaches the fact that adding neuroscience into their armory can be helpful. It's not at all about changing the way they work because as coaches, we've been serving our clients beautifully for years, but just about adding this, this, this wave of, of thinking and the new underpinning of neuroscience into their world of work, how it can really help. Because I think Paula, I think it's worth putting this on the table. Neuroscience is topical. And there's a lot of what I call fake news, a lot of neuro nonsense out there. There really is where, you know, magazines will take one little piece of research and they'll distort it and come out with this magical neuro diet or neuro horoscope or you, you, you know what I mean. There's yeah. even now... Um, a branch of law called neuro law. And interestingly, we will be hearing more about this as the evidence gets larger. But at the last reading, I learned that there were about two and a half thousand pieces of documented cases in the legal um, uh, world in America, where defense lawyers have uh, managed to delay or maybe uh, delay some decisions or maybe um, defend their client by using neuroscience by saying well it wasn't them it was their brain it wasn't their intention it was something it's so interesting so some of that is valid but some of it isn't and yes very interesting so you know does this mean that mass murderers and psychopaths are always going to get away with it so yeah i think we there's a lot of neuro nonsense around so part of the and part of the work the work that myself and my business partner want to do we want to bridge the gap between neuro nonsense and the really challenging weighty academic wonderful work and translate that into accessible language so in my book through stories of clients who came to me I wanted to bring that to life so there's a chapter on somebody who lost their motivation um, a gentleman who was suffering from loneliness at work and it's a real it's a real challenge to our our health, actually loneliness, people who get caught in a negative spiral, stress, uh, decision fatigue, and, and various other presenting topics that you as a coach and me as a coach, people come to us with, with these areas. And I wanted to talk about what we did, uh, what worked, what didn't work, and the, the, the sort of brain basis of that. Amazing. Thank I'm you. Looking, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing your book. Good. Thank yes, you. Yeah. Really, really. Um, 
Jill, you are going to be one of the amazing speakers at the conference in London on the 31st of January, Women Who Dare to Desire. I won't ask you about what you will be talking about. And there's one reason why <laughs> you have to come to the conference to know it. Exactly. Please, exactly. listeners, come to the conference. Exactly. Amazing speakers. Yes, yes. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to listening to your story you. there. Thank and you. for our listeners, if you already are in London, please do come to the conference. I'm, going, you, I'm sure you're going to be inspired, motivated, and not only you will be able to network with uh, not only the amazing speakers who will be there, but also, you know, the, the people who will attend the conference. So it will be a great opportunity for us to, to meet. And if you're not in London, it can be a nice excuse to maybe take a flight. <laughs> uh, yes, and I'm, I'm sure the January sales will still be on. And so please, so this <laughs> extra reason. This is an extra reason, absolutely. So, Jill, uh, can you tell us also, our audience, where they can know more about you? I will be, pub I will be publishing all the links to your website, etc. But if you can, you know, also tell them now. Absolutely. So, so our website, which will be in the link, thank you so much, is www.mybrain.co.uk. We have lots of articles and, and, and material on there. But more importantly, I'd really love to invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I have developed the muscle the neural pathway for posting every single day apart from Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So I, my posts in the week are, I have four posts and one article. I try to do the article on Wednesday. It just depends when, but please comment, please join that conversation about the benefits of understanding neuroscience and we, we can talk and, and have conversations on LinkedIn. It's a great community. Amazing, amazing. Yes, I love LinkedIn too. And fantastic that you developed your muscle to be present <laughs> there every, every day except weekends. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I will be publishing all your links, also a link Thank to you. the book. Thank you. Uh, and in the show notes, there will also be a link to the Women Who Dare to Desire conference so you can know more about the conference and of course buy your ticket. Yes, please uh, do everyone. Yes, and I know there's a special uh, offer coming for Black Friday, but I think that probably Black Friday will be already passed by the time I publish this uh, right. episode, unfortunately, so we won't say anything anyway about it. <laughs> okay, Jill, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Me too. Thank you. And uh, I will be staying in London for a while. So maybe, you know, we can also uh, have a chat relaxed after the conference. That would be amazing, Paola. Thank you for, for inviting me and so warmly welcoming me to talk about my passion, the brain. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And get ready for another episode because, of course, I want to know more and more and share your knowledge with with our listeners thank that you. would be really exciting thank you very much oh my god how much i love this topic uh, i'm really fascinated by you know uh, the way we operate and uh, why we are 
who we are and also about the fact that really if we want to change, if we are really motivated to change, we can do that. Yes, it takes work. It's not something that happens overnight. But when we understand why we are operating in a certain way and we see that this way of behaving, of operating, is not taking us where we want to go, is not helping us to be who we want to be, is not, you know, um, supporting us in achieving what we want to achieve in life. It doesn't take much to, to change. I mean, it's just a question of shifting the way we think. And it's a question of, you know, exercising this new way of thinking every day. Slowly, step after step. And this will certainly help us achieve what we want to achieve. If you have been following me for a while, you know that I really strongly, deeply believe that the sky's the limit, that we can achieve everything we want to achieve at any age. And that prosperity, and you know that I believe that prosperity is not just money. Prosperity is really having the life you want, the quality of life you want, doing the things you're passionate about, uh, having around you the people that really empower you, uh, feeling fulfilled in whatever you do, having the possibility to, to do what you love to do. So prosperity is something that we can build every day, making the nature necessary changes when we understand that, you know, a belief that we have is conditioning the way that we behave, uh, is conditioning and affecting the action and the choices we make. We have all the tools and the possibility to to make the necessary changes and really achieve the dream that we want to achieve and be the person that we want to be. So I hope this episode really inspired you and uh, I would have, you know, gone on and on and on and on talking with Jill because I'm really fascinated and as I said, I'm going to interview her again in another episode very soon and maybe we will focus on a more specific topic and by the way if you want us to cover a specific topic and see how neuroscience can help us in that area please let me know leave a comment in, uh, in on my website leave a review on uh, Apple Podcast or on a Spreaker or leave a comment on the social media where I'm, you know, sharing this uh, episode with you all uh, and let us know and we will be happy to to cover the the topic that you are most interested uh, in. So I will I would like to remind you once again that on January the 31st I will be one of the speakers at the Women Who Dare to Desire conference. If you are in London, please come. 
If you are not in London, as I always, as I have often said uh, in my podcast episodes, that this can be an opportunity maybe to spend the weekend in this wonderful city. The 31st is a Friday, so you can spend a whole weekend in London and join us and uh, be inspired not only by the speakers, but by all the other amazing Again, amazing. I'm using this uh, this word again. By all the amazing women that will attend this meeting. By the way, tickets are still available. There is a link in the show notes of these episodes. Um, and uh, in the show notes, you will find all the links to get to know more about Jill, her amazing work, her book. So just visit my my website um and uh, and uh, you will find all the links and you will have and you have the possibility to leave your comment you know your feedback your opinion uh, is uh, very important to me and to my guests in this show so i wish you a wonderful weekend since this episode is going to be live on Friday. So have a wonderful weekend and I will see you next week with two more episodes of the Prosperity On Air podcast. Bye for now. Whatever business you're in, growth isn't just about getting bigger. At ADP, we believe it's about getting stronger by turning data into insights so you can build teams that work as teams. By using our AI technology to help catch payroll errors before their errors. And by keeping ahead of thousands of changing regulations so you can keep ahead of everything else. ADP helps businesses like yours grow stronger every day. ADP, HR talent, time, and payroll.